One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Women's Running podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I chat to the very joyful Jada Cesar. I first met Jada at the beginning of March 2020, a month that most of us remember pretty well for some reason. Before all of that kicked off, and long before we knew our worlds were going to change so radically, we met up at the New Balance pub in London with an impressive bunch of women, including Bryony Gordon, Deborah James, Anna Harding, Emma Campbell and Andrew McLean, all of us booked in to run either the London Marathon or the London Vitality 10,000 or both. Things were beginning to feel different in that first week in March, but not so different. We talked about running, we ate a delicious lunch, we shared food off each other's plates, we hugged. It was one of the last times that I hugged anyone outside of my immediate family. Here, Jada talks to me about her history with running and how that started when she met Bryony for the first time over a table of sports bras. She talks about famously running in her underwear for body positivity and the emotions of running a marathon, no matter what you're wearing. She also talks about her life on Instagram and how she deals with the sadly inevitable trolling that exists on social media. We talk too about what lockdown has taught her, about her coping mechanisms and what she thinks lockdown has taught us all. One of her favourite phrases, she says, is, this too shall pass. And it's definitely one that we should keep in mind right now. Both Jada and I are taking on the Virtual Vitality London 10,000 this May. If you'd like to join us and take on a goal, you can sign up and run your 10k any day between the 29th of May and the 6th of June. This time round, the emphasis is on our mental health. So the idea is to run for your head as well as your heart. You can walk, jog or run your 10k. It costs just £19 to enter and all finishers receive the official medal and technical tee. Go to vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk to enter now and join us. Don't forget to head to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout to get your exclusive 35% discount off Women's Running membership. You'll get the mag free access to digital back issues and lots of discounts, freebies and exclusive deals with brilliant running brands that will help you run better. Come and join Women's Running. 
We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. So I, I remember meeting you last year at the um, at the pub at the New Balance pub, mm. which was just on the edge of lockdown, wasn't it? Do you remember? Because I remember coming into London because I live in Bath, and I got the train in, and um, a colleague was supposed to be coming with me, and she, at the last minute she said, "Actually, I don't really fancy travelling in London." And I remember at the time thinking, "Hmm, okay, that's weird." And then I was on mm. the train, and there was a bloke in a full gas mask. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't be here after all. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was strange because it was just, I think, the week after we went into lockdown. Mm. Um, All a bit weird and we didn't get to do our London marathon. Did you you run the virtual? I didn't. No, I did the virtual 10K and... I don't know if I could do another marathon again. It it's really um, it takes up like the whole of your year. I felt felt like it took up took up a lot of headspace, and so I, now I know what it entails. I'm a little bit like I've done it once. That's like tick off my bucket list. I don't know if I'll do it again. Maybe in the future, but I'm I'm gonna stick to a 10k. I think from now on. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so with all my kind of googling and stuff. Um, I know a few little factets about you, but I don't know the whole story, obviously. Um, but I know that you're a model, obviously, and you're an influencer um, and a UN ambassador for women. That was news to me. I didn't realise that. Um, and also a passionate advocate for mental health and body positivity. But you're also a runner, which is kind of a thing. That's the main reason why we want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> so maybe if we can start there and then we can move into these other areas um, mm-hmm. so can you can you tell me about your running and how did you first get into it so I about in 2018 met a lady called Bryony Gordon we were both on a retreat hosted by um, a well-known fitness brand and her and I kind of bumped into each other at the very start of this event because we were looking at a table of sports bras and I'm quite a top heavy girl. So is Bryony. And so we were both hunting for the most supportive sports bras, especially when you're working out. It, like it's the bane of my life. And I think a lot of larger chested women could probably agree. It's so hard to find. And so we were talking about this and bonded over this joint <laughs> problem that we both faced. And she had told me that she had run a marathon. And at that point I had never run Like running wasn't a part of my fitness routine. It wasn't something that I really ever had the confidence to do. I didn't even understand the concept of like 5k, 10k, how long that felt on your feet, what it would do to your body. I just was so oblivious and new to the whole running world. And, but I knew everyone says like marathons are the thing, like you should do a marathon. And just in the zeitgeist, I knew that It was something that was on people's bucket lists. And from London, I knew that it was an event that was held annually, but I never went to see it. I I, I wasn't raised in um, a kind of environment or even the community that was none of my immediate group of friends were into running. And so I was never exposed to it. And my family didn't take me to go and see the marathon. So I, I just didn't understand what this all meant and what an achievement it was and why it was important. And so I was like, sure, I'll do it out of pure ignorance. And because everyone was like, it's a cool thing to do, I thought. And you, and you hadn't and run before then? No, 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 no. I hadn't run before then. I was just like, sure, yeah, sign me up. And Bryony was like, okay. And a part of me was like, you know, I, I don't think people 
just run a marathon in a heartbeat or you get accepted into a spot just because you said so I kind of thought it'd be more grueling a more grueling process to go through um but two weeks later Bryony said that I have a space and that we're going to be running a marathon in a few months we I think agreed to do it in the no September and it was in April so I had six months to train but I was moving country and spending three months in Australia for the winter so I wasn't sure how much running I was going to get done because I was traveling and having fun and modeling and working but I thought if there's anywhere that I can train Australia is probably a great place to do it because it'll be sunny at that time of the year so I went away and I came back and I think I had run I joined a group so a bit of a backstory I met a man on this retreat as well called Charlie Dark and Charlie Dark owns and it, Charlie Dark created Run Them Crew mm-hmm. amongst other many like running communities across the world and I ran before I went to Australia with Charlie purely because he was such a cool guy that gave me so much encouragement and was like Jada come on down and run with us and like, you'll never get left behind we I'll run with you on your first time and it felt like a really safe entry point into running for me because he was so caring and you felt held in your vulnerability almost. Mm-hmm. And because I was so inexperienced, I was like, God, I don't know how fit I'm going to be. I don't know how fast I'm going to be. But if Charlie's with me, that's all that matters. So ran with Charlie. And on my first day, we did 6K. It was the slowest 6K of my life. I was sweating, but I felt so good after and felt like, well, that's a huge accomplishment. And Charlie was so kind. And the group he created, honestly, was like a family. It felt so welcoming. And then after that, I went back the following week because it was a great experience and I loved it. And he was cool. And I ran another 6K. And then a week after that, I think I ran a half marathon. So it was really like, everything was so new and sudden and I was not fit. I'm sure I wasn't fit enough for it, but I threw myself in the deep end. And because I completed it without any injuries, thank God, because I took my time and I was listening to my body and I didn't care about hitting a time. In fact, I didn't know the concept of like personal bests and hitting Mm -hmm. times and things. I was just like, if I get to the end, that's an achievement. And so me and Bryony ran a half marathon two weeks after that. And it was purely because she rang me up the week before and was like, Hey Jada, in preparation for our marathon, want to come and run a half marathon with me? And I was like, sure, let's do it. I just, I don't know why, but (laughs) in 2018, I was just this yes person to everything and thought I had, I stepped into all of these experiences thinking that your mind can really take you further than your body can. And I had a really good, strong mind at the time. And I just thought no matter how my body feels right now, I'm sure my brain can take me the distance. And because I had no experience, I guess I had no mapping of running to base my experience on. So it was also fresh and so new. So I completed the half marathon with Bryony and then I went away to Australia. I did a little bit of training. I can't say I did loads, but the the real training kicked in when I got back in January and we, me and Bryony was training in the snow, in the gale and the thunderstorms. I remember one day coming back dripping because it was not because of sweat, because it was a downpour Mm -hmm. and I looked like a drowned rat. But if 
if you're a marathon runner, you'll know that that's a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or any runner, actually, any, any really enthusiastic runner will probably know that they've run in the rain once. But you always leave with a sense of accomplishment and just a massive rush of adrenaline. Like it's running gives me these highs that I've never felt before. And also just this really proud, like really you just become really proud of yourself and you grow your self-esteem because for me Bryony got me into running but I had to get myself through the majority of the training alone because I, she wasn't always available and I really wanted to accomplish all of my training days and I couldn't always wait around for someone else so taking myself out of the house on my own which at first was petrifying because I'm like everyone's gonna look at me I run so slow people are walking past me faster than I run every time I did it and I came home, I just felt, wow, I did that. I felt this strength of willpower and just huge amounts of self-esteem and just would pat myself on the back and, and think, wow, you can do it. And if you can do that, you can do tomorrow. You can do the day after. And not only in running, you can do that and apply that willpower and strength of will onto other scenarios in your life. So it had a massive beneficial effect on not only my mental health but also my physical health because I was moving my body all the time and and then the day came and it was the marathon and we decided to run it in our underwear yeah we decided to run the whole thing in our underwear because during our training sessions we realized that not only were we representing larger women as runners and sort of trying to encourage women that look like us to participate in sports because it has so much like effect it has such a great effect on our mental health and gave us a boost of confidence but also we thought these leggings are really really comforting and comfortable and just make your body streamlined and tucked you in but let's show the cellulite let's show the wobbles and the unflattering pictures and let's show all of that and be even more vulnerable and do it in our underwear so people can actually see our body for what it is and know that just because you have fat on your body doesn't mean you're unfit and it's less about the fat on your body and more about how you feel inside and what's going on inside and we wanted to really start that conversation um and running a marathon in your underwear did that oh my god but, but what was the response like what did it feel like to do that did, did you feel vulnerable or did you feel supported a bit of both I definitely remember stepping out into the middle of central london at the starting point with bryony like why are we uh, dressed like this and everything is just on show and don't get me wrong like i'm a model so i can be in a studio and shoot lingerie and not think anything of it with a team of like 10 people around me mm-hmm. but i'm in the middle of central london with thousands and thousands of people and i i'm wearing one tiny little layer thinking well anything could happen some i could get a wedgie a boob could fall out like all of these things <laughs> but I must say like when you look at elite athletes they are pretty much wearing the same thing That's tiny true. little shorts and crop tops and so that kind of got me through I was like I'm not an elite athlete but I'm just wearing their uniform and we're gonna see how it goes <laughs> but don't get me wrong it was very very nerve-wracking to begin with but our we were met with the most amount of support every oh. every part every step of the way people were just clapping and cheering and I know that there's that like incredible feeling when you do run a marathon that people are 
outpouring with this amount of love I've never experienced before. And I just want to add that since I ran the marathon every year since I've gone and seen it and watched it because I get so emotional and I'm so proud of everyone that's gone through it because I know how hard that is for you. So yeah, I, I definitely think if you've never gone and seen a marathon, but I'm sure you probably have and all your listeners have, go and watch them because that's where you really feel the kind of essence of humanity show up. And I love it. But yeah, our, we got an incredible uh, reception when we ran and even people that hadn't seen us because we did a lot of social content and promotion around the run. But we had also gone on Good Morning Britain, I want to say. Or yeah, this I, morning. Think I think it was Good Morning Britain. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did a massive fundraiser appeal on the channel on the morning show. And loads of people saw us from there. So if, if I think a lot of people in the audience in the audience <laughs> like you I, I did feel like I was performing a lot of the members <laughs> of the public that were watching it felt like actually sorry I'm skipping points but it did feel like all the training was for a show like I'm ready to perform now and yeah it, you do feel like oh my god I'm stepping onto stage I need to run yeah but, um, yeah everyone was so kind and loving and how was it was it hard uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was pretty hard although again I will say like I probably if I was to run a marathon again I would probably find it a lot harder because I have something to base it on and compare it to whereas when I first when I did this last marathon in 2018 I was so new to the experience so everything was exciting and new and a challenge that you could overcome because anything is possible and I think only once you've done it, you realize, whoa, that's such a long way. Oh my God, my leg feels like it's going to fall off. I was in pain for two days. It was more, less actual physical pain. But I think towards mile 21, there's a mile that Run Them Crew, the crew that I mentioned that Charlie Dark created, they Mm -hmm. stand at. And I can't remember, I think it's either 17 or 21. And they stand there specifically because that's when the majority of people start to lose the mental strength to continue. And that was when I felt actually the hardest point because throughout the entire time I had prepared myself. I had got lots of snacks. I had lots of hydrating gels and waters and I had music. I had podcasts. I knew that distracting myself would make me keep going And I would chat to people because I wasn't running so fast where that wasn't possible. But I was having a chat. I knew that meeting new people would keep my mind stimulated. So that would make me go the distance. But they got to a point where I had exhausted all of those resources. I'd eaten myself to a point where I was like, I can't eat anymore. I don't want any more food. I don't need any more water. I can't really talk to anyone anymore because I'm just too exhausted. And I just didn't know what to do. I was like, where is the strength? Come on, body. You can do it. You can do it. And I kept trying to encourage myself. But only when I hit the mile when Run Them Crew was there and I was met with cheers and poppers and they all knew my journey. They knew my name and my family popped out as well. I remember my sister, my brother and my niece were there and they came running um, for a few uh, kilometers with me or like a couple of kilometers with me. That love was definitely what got me through the last hurdle because that I guess human support was one of the factors I didn't think I needed but it boosted me up back up to 100% for me to to run that last stretch 
and that that was my hardest part I think and everyone talks about how they cry when they cross over the finish line was it emotional for you yes oh my god <laughs> me and cry me and Bryony just cried into each other's arms because you're like it, it felt some people say running a marathon is it's the same like whoa we did it when they give birth to a child I don't have any children so I don't know but it's like you never think it's going to end you just go and go and go and go and you think that this you get pains that start to to creep up like I had um I know Bryony had a pain in her ankle my hips were starting to get really weak and you think gosh is this ever gonna end am I ever gonna be able to stop (laughs) and when you reach the end you're like wait I can stop now and not only that, but I did it and we're here and you get this rush and everyone is, you know, you're kind of falling into the arms of your family and your friends. And you then are looking back and think, wow, I did that. I ran that whole time. Like I did that. No one else did it for me. I put in the work. I showed up for myself. I think all of that just, and your exhaustion <laughs> and also the adrenaline, you just, yeah, collapse. And it, <laughs> It's a feeling that I, I don't think I've ever felt of anything else that I've done. And, and that doesn't kind of um, make you want to do another one? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I talk about it, I guess so. It, it's really <laughs> enticing. But I also know the work, which I didn't know that I had to put in. That obviously, everything takes work and time. And, and I know that commitment to running. And now I, I'm committed to other forms of exercise that I'm loving. Like I'm about to start a teacher training course for yoga and so yoga has become one of the things that I, uh, the skills I want to kind of strive in. But running is now a part of my solid like toolkit and it's something that I will still access, but at a shorter distance. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, uh, what were you like as a, as a little girl? Were you sporty at school? Yeah, I, I was. I was a part of different, um, like I really enjoyed PE in secondary school. I like to get stuck in. I'd play football in my spare time. I remember my dad every Sunday would take us to the park and I would love rollerblades and bike riding. Um, I wouldn't say that I came from a very sporty family, but I definitely was a tomboy growing up and just would get stuck in and would have bruises. Like I've got scars on my knees from where I'd always be falling over and getting back up and running again. So I didn't really have a concept of fear and I just thought throw myself in. Towards the end of secondary school, I swam lots and would, I swam for three years. I performed in like the local sports club competitions when it came to swimming. And, but when I got into university, I didn't really take up much more than just going to the gym. And that's sort of when my interest in sport and actively seeking out different types of sports stopped. And I just went to the gym. Everyone else was doing it. It was kind of a bit more of like a normalized easy access point to, to fitness um but even then I wasn't really conscious about the sport I was uh, the kind of routines I was doing at the gym I just had a personal trainer write up a, a schedule for me and I just did that I didn't actively try to focus on certain parts of my body or anything and only in the last I'd say five years have I started to get excited about working out again and I don't even see it as working out I just see it as a lifestyle now and it's taken me a while to reincorporate running and yoga and other forms of exercise that I'm loving back into my lifestyle um, but I will say after the marathon it did encourage me to take on other challenges and one of them was running the Vitality 10k and that was when we encouraged 
as you know, over a thousand women to run it with us in their underwear yeah. to embrace their body and to just love the skin that they're in, no matter what it looks like, and to run, which is cool. And and you're going to be doing it again in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will be. We're going to be announcing it properly soon, but it will be a virtual event, as like last year was, and people can join us wherever they are over the country and just run 10k in their own time and virtually join us in working towards a 10k end goal and get running and this can be for people that have never run before and obviously people that do run and so it's just an event to encourage people to move their bodies again and yeah. do, you, do you feel comfortable at that 10k distance are you prepared for it I'm not prepared for it no (laughs) it's funny how your like fitness can just decrease when you're not running it goes down for me anyway it goes down so fast but I'm all about in whatever you do just keep starting that's the main thing is just pick yourself back up and get back out there because I think that's half challenge is going and picking it back up again Mm -hmm. Um, I'm comfortable around a 5k but even then I'm so slow still but when I know I've got a deadline, that's when I start to amp things up. Yeah, fair so enough. I, I have faith. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, you know, the body positivity thing, the running in your pants and, and all of that, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. And it's brilliant. I can't believe you've got so many women to mm. run in their underwear with you. I think it's just amazing. But, and, and, and you're such a strong advocate for body positivity. How can like normal people people that aren't models how how do we become positive about the way that we Mm. look Uh, well to be honest I think since um I when I first got into the modeling industry I fell into fell into it accidentally um I was studying to be a child psychotherapist and mental health was a massive interest of mine from a young age and it it actually made me more unconfident it, it, I lost a lot of self-esteem becoming a model because even though you know you are met with lots of approval and people say you look amazing you look amazing actually you're up against competition and facing rejection all the time so my confidence went down and in that point when it went down I realized what were the things that gave me confidence before because I think you only realize you have it when it starts to kind of wither away a little bit and so I think some of the key things for me were and have and the things that allowed me to develop a really good relationship with my body growing up was not, I guess, having this thing about people now called body neutrality, whereas I didn't think about my body. I just appreciate it for what it did when I was a swimmer, when I was playing sports, when I would learn to roll a blade. I just would think this is so cool. My body can do that. And I never thought, I never compared myself to other people growing up, partly because my family didn't really I don't know my my mum and dad my mum never read magazines and I wasn't really exposed to I didn't really read magazines growing up either and my mum never wore makeup um we wasn't really immersed in like fashion and style and all those things that make you kind of think more about your aesthetics Mm -hmm. um I didn't really have that it was only really when I got into I guess secondary school and moving into the modeling space that I started to concentrate more about oh my god I should probably brush my hair and I should probably dress a little bit more fashionable but before (laughs) that I I didn't care about any of that stuff and having that ignorance is bliss and what I would say if you you know a lot of people 
it's hard to avoid that now because of social media it's like in our faces Mm -hmm. but it's like protecting your energy protecting your space and being conscious about the media you're absorbing and monitoring it for your own sanity like giving yourself those media breaks or even just following things that aren't about looking good or being fashionable as much as I find inspiration from a lot of say like magazines or Instagram influencers now if I want like style advice or whatever it gets to a point where I'm always having to say okay stop what am I doing for my soul what am I doing for not in like a oh my god gotta work on your soul but like what am I doing that's not about my ego but about like self-development and just knowing a bit more about who I am what I truly love not what people say is cool and I should love and so my dad enrolled me into not only swimming growing up but he enrolled me into violin so I played the violin for five years got up to grade five stopped it when I went to college because it wasn't a cool thing to do mm-hmm. um, but these being a part of these groups and hobbies gave me so much self-esteem that I didn't concentrate or put all of my focus on my looks and appearance so I would say do things outside of your aesthetics that boost up your confidence and give you that sense of camaraderie and that sense of belonging that people can't take away from you because inevitably if you're always trying to chase beauty and looking the set the beauty ideal of the season you'll never be able to keep up because it's always changing and you're always growing older and and if you know beauty at the moment is not at the moment but I think for a long time it's been deemed as like young and you know this one stereotype then it's just going to cause everyone so much dissonance because we're always going to be growing older and you can't slow down that process as much as people try to. I think for me, it's just, if you grow old with grace and see those like wrinkles and lines as experiences of like laughter and, and are able to value that, which some cultures do, then it will just allow us to enjoy life a bit more, you know? Yeah. So, I think- yeah. I was just thinking that um, one of the conversations that we have quite a lot on our social channels are with with women who kind of um, prevent themselves from going for a run or, or kind of put off going for a run because they're um, they're concerned about how other people might see them mm. um, and they feel kind of very self conscious about how they might look maybe in running gear or or just you know just out on the road kind of thing and. Um, and it's it's almost like a constant conversation that we're we're mm. trying to explain that actually the the just going for a run in itself will make you feel better about both your body and your mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of you can just see those barriers that that women have. Um, you know, just just stopping themselves from doing something that will make them feel good about themselves. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you never you never regret going for a run you might not want to do it at the time. And I say, do these little hacks, like put your clothes at the end of your bed and before your brain can keep up with you, put them on and get out the house. Mm -hmm. Because when we start to try to rationalize and let our, our kind of little voice say to us, you can't do it. You're not fit enough. And you, you start to self-sabotage in some ways. And I always say like, our brain isn't always telling us the truth. It's just throwing thoughts at us. That's what our brain does. It The same way our heart beats blood, our brain produces thoughts. And it's what we decide to listen to that matters. And if it's not something that we want to hear, it's just pushing it away and knowing that that's not true. 
And when you get back from that run, you'll believe it and you'll realize it. And then you'll start making these other positive experiences and we rewiring your brain almost Mm -hmm. and having, you know, being able to go out, run, come back and do it the next day, knowing that yesterday was actually fine. And I was safe and people didn't laugh at me. In fact, people aren't even looking because everyone's thinking about themselves. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I was talking to a friend a few, few days ago and, and it's like, no, no one looks at you when you run or, or, you know, when I, you have to sort of put yourself into the, the person that's looking, you know, think about mm. what they're doing. And, that, you know, when you're in a car and you drive past a runner, all I think is, oh, well done you. Or especially if they're running yeah. up a hill, it's like, whoa, you know, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's you know? tough. I just think of encouraging things. I don't think, oh, they look funny yeah. tights or something. But Yeah. And also, how many people do you walk past and I just forget about them. I'm like, you know, in a minute I see someone and then I move on to the next thing and I'm seeing so many other strangers that I'm passing by in my walk that that one person, like you, sadly do not stand out from everyone else, even though like we might think we do. But it's just, I don't know, it's like a bit of our ego talking, I guess, and saying like everyone's looking at us and I must stand out from the crowd. But yeah, I I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> yeah. And, but we do make it like, I know when I went on my first run, I was petrified. And so I started to ease myself in by doing a few things. And one of them was making sure I had the right sportswear on leggings that didn't fall down, bras that held my boobs in because those little things made me feel uncomfortable. I would put on an oversized t-shirt so that my I don't know. I I was really conscious about my butt at the time, like jiggling all around. And so I'd wear an oversized t-shirt And I would hold my phone in my hand because then I always felt like I had a little distraction if I needed it. And I stuck to the back roads and I still do actually, to this day, I prefer running down roads that I enjoy running down that are more quiet, that have Mm -hmm. houses that I like to be nosy and look into and (laughs) look at their interior design. And, (laughs) and then I like going to parks because then you're in nature and you know, the days that sometimes I don't want to run, I'll put on my running kit as if I'm preparing to run, but I will walk it. And I know that if I'm, you know, I'm like, I get a boost of actually do it, go for a run, then at least I'm ready and prepared to run for like a few minutes at least mm-hmm. and come back and, and walk the rest of the time. Uh, but there's sometimes I go out and I'm like, I'm not running today. And then I get an urge to do it and I'm not prepared. I'm in like my jeans or something. But yeah, find little hacks that work for you to trick your mind into getting you out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're, you you mentioned your psychology degree, and I, I wonder how much of that helps you find that kind of strength and determination um, to, to do stuff like go for a run or, or kind of the, I mean, it does seem as though you are interested in things, like you're, you're mm-hmm. kind of finding new stuff to be involved in and to be interested in, which is admirable um and I just I I wondered yeah how much that that psychology degree is influencing your sort of what you do now Mm, absolutely I think it's my curiosity for life has partnered up with uh my curiosity to understand how we function as human beings and then allowed me to practice that in my day-to-day life and know that on paper and in theory our brains are wired so that we don't step out of our comfort zone because then we will do the exact same thing day in, day out, and we will be safe. And doing something different that goes against your daily routine, everything fires in your brain to say, that's wrong, that's uncomfortable, you're at risk, and it's to avoid threats. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that we are wired that way. 
but it doesn't necessarily work in this society when by going down a different road you will be met with a saber-toothed tiger because we're not because we are you know in 2020 2021 and so now i know that's the way my brain is going to work i always consider ways to rewire it and to rethink things differently and will push myself out to create new experience because as soon as you do that your brain knows oh okay actually you're safe and then when you've gone for a run and your hormones and um cortisol levels are dropping and your adrenaline is running and you know happy hormones are flowing everywhere and you're filled with like happy great buzzing feelings you realize your brain goes oh actually what you did was great and so you marry these two feelings and new neurons are created to tell you to do do another run and you have to strengthen those neurons by constantly doing that same thing again and again and again and then your body gets this new habit imprinted in its bones that knows that that run is actually good rather than oh my god running is actually bad running is gonna kill me you know so it's creating new habits and habits are so hard to form and i read up a lot on this because i guess my my curiosity for life is that i never want to stifle my potential because i just didn't know how to hack my biology almost and i think we are all built with this like infinite potential and certain things stifle that like you know society and our own you know internal limitations or the imprints that we've had from our parents like a lot of us tend to live the life that we've had modeled to us before Mm -hmm. and so for me I'm like one I want to know myself better than anyone else and I want to know where what are the foundations for my decisions in life and so if they've been something that I've been told as a younger person that I just believe to be true now and this is the paradigm I'm living my life in then I think, whoa, how much of that has been something I've chosen? And I guess that idea of the world has led me to take on ridiculous challenge. Well, it's not ridiculous, but take on the challenge of a marathon or, you know, whatever it is. Last year, I got a motorbike license. And it was just like little things like that. Even though I don't intend on getting a motorbike, it's, you know, you do learn something in that experience. You learn about yourself. You learn what you love. You learn that you are able and possible in doing that mm-hmm. and I, I it just for me it feels like I've been given a canvas of the world when I was born and everything I do that hasn't been taught to me everything I actively seek out I'm just painting more of that canvas and learning that the canvas is actually a lot bigger than I ever thought it was and things like running a marathon and taking on new hobbies is just a part of painting more of that canvas yeah yeah and I, I i mean you've you've amassed a huge following on instagram because of well because of many things but um but but clearly i think because of this curiosity because you're constantly seeking out new adventures really mm. um, but it's it's a big step putting so much of yourself out there on social media has has it all been a positive journey for you has there has there been any kind of negativity uh, yeah, of course. When I think a lot of people online will probably experience some sort of trolling at some point. And I think having run a marathon in my underwear, it did get massive amounts of negativity only actually in the Daily Mail comment boxes, which I just think trolls just reside in <laughs> anonymously. Mm. But uh, besides that, I, to be honest, 99% of my audience are like women that are just so 
loving and supportive and send me inspirational things as well as I do in this like this really reciprocal cycle of we just have I've managed to create and and harness a community of like-minded women that want to do better but are working in a system that hasn't been supportive for many years and like you know put down bodies that look like mine and so I would say that trolls are there but when that happens I've learned to for example I don't read comment boxes on Daily Mail anymore Mm -hmm. and I when there has been trolls and I will say it's been the majority of them have been men Mm -hmm. not women um they just get blocked like I'm quite savage when it comes to my social media where I will just block things because I know I have a social platform but I think I also set the guidelines of that platform and I have to protect my space and energy because I don't have people answering my comments. I I answer all of my DMs personally. And as much as I have a manager, I like to manage those conversations and authentically reply, which means sometimes it takes a bit longer to reply to people. But it also means that when there are negative comments, they do come directly to me. And one thing I think people forget is that it's a human receiving this at the end of the message, which is a whole other story for trolls to to realize mm. um but i i just block people i protect my space and sometimes if i feel like the conversation i'm like I'm, I'm in the mood i might entertain or even try to have a conversation with that person and give them a different differing perspective and hopefully expand their mindset because i, I definitely know that some people thought that oh my God, if you are a size 16, you're just fat and fat means you're lazy and your lifestyle is a lazy lifestyle and all you eat is junk food. And only when I explained, actually, that's a really ridiculous way of looking at people and judging people based on their body size um, because there's a lot of very thin people that are also very unhealthy on the inside. Like One of my best friends can literally eat anything she wants, very unnutritious foods and never put on a, like a any any way at all and that's something she struggles with and she wants to improve on so like showing men well showing my trolls that and talking to people have actually sometimes changed people's perspectives but generally generally I just think do I have the energy and often not and so it gets blocked I think if people also want to hear a different point of view they can scroll through all of my pictures because for years and years I've been trying to help um, redefine that in some ways yeah yeah I think you have I think um um when I was researching you um I found an article that described you as one of the most famous plus size models in the world oh, gosh I know um well I think it's amazing but w- would you rather that the term plus sized wasn't in that description it's funny I get asked that question a lot actually and in the very beginning of my career I really embraced it I remember I created a Facebook page it was called Jada says a plus size model and it was because 10 years ago, plus size was like, oh my God, you must be this horrific, fat, ugly troll. Like it, it's all like fat men ugly. And, and so for me, I was like, well, if you think plus size means fat and you put the word ugly next to it, then let's redefine that. And I'll show you that having fat in your body, being a fat or larger woman can actually look hot. It can look stylish. It can be sexy. It can be empowering. And so for me, I owned that term plus at the time. I also stepped into the modeling industry and didn't realize that I'd be categorized mm-hmm. into plus size. I, I just thought a model's a model. Anyway, as time's gone on, I definitely 
prefer to just say I'm a model because I do the same job as everyone else. And plus size is kind of an outdated word now, I think. Um, a lot of brands have curve lines and curve is the word people tend to use. Like I'm a curvy model or I'm a curve model. But to be fair, I just say I'm a model. <laughs> That's what yeah. I do. Yeah, I think fair enough. I mean, does it... Do you find it irritating at all that you've become the sort of spokesperson for kind of normal bodies? Um, I don't I don't become irritated, but I always like to let people know that this wasn't a movement started by me or even like white plus size women. It was a movement started by American plus size black women. And it then was brought into the mainstream. Um, I know when I first kind of heard about plus size models it was 10 years ago and there was five plus size models in the modeling industry I think Ashley Graham was one of them Mm. and it kind of then filtered down into the UK and I didn't see any plus size models here but the the term was like created and started by black American women plus size women who wanted to just like own their bodies and show people that you know they um, wanted to and had really pioneered that movement um so no, I don't get irritated, but I like to redirect people to the real like women that created this. And thankfully, I was like a product of that. Yeah. And I, I wanted to talk to you about, also about lockdown. Now, now that we've got um, a glimmer of hope on the horizon, um, I wondered how, well, how lockdown's been for you and um, what you've been doing during it to maintain your health and this incredibly positive mindset mm. of yours. Um, well, definitely, it wasn't positive for a long time. And I think a lot of people can probably relate. In fact, I definitely had a, I think that in the first lockdown, when we all didn't know what was going on, it was a global pandemic, and we were in the thick of it. And my positive mindset, as much as I'm always thinking that there is an answer, I just didn't have any answers. I didn't know. And for a long time, I just sat. And obviously, work had stopped, which meant I wasn't going out of my house and then I was home alone with my thoughts um my partner moved in with me which was, was like the best thing because then I wasn't I had that company and we get along like you know we're we're thick as thieves and and him and I were able to have a really rich lockdown experience because we were able to entertain each other mm-hmm. and I think my lack of like purpose was really questioned and as always I think my my curiosity led to creativity because I, I think that's just my outlet. I think for a lot of my, 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 my stuff and um, me and Tyson, his name is, we created a YouTube channel, which was just doing fun things in lockdown. Me cutting his hair, him trying to make me food, me feeding him weird Turkish food blindfolded, just <laughs> lighthearted things that kept us busy. We were putting out three videos a week at that point. And people loved it that gave us that joy being able to share that joy gave us a lot of joy and kept us sane for a little bit but neither of us want to be youtubers and especially not a youtube couple <laughs> he's a film and tv producer i'm actually doing some other stuff more in the mental health space which will be out at the end of the year but we felt like whatever could get us through this time do it because no one knows where we're at and everyone's finding our feet and struggling with it so I think being, um, I think it's forgiving, like being really and forgiving and, and just loving myself and having more compassion for myself got me through that time. 
And only when I accepted that, look, I have no control over anything, did things start to come. And I bought a diary. That was my first, I think that was when I first realized, okay, it's time to get yourself up and out and get some routine. And I got a diary and every day I wrote down my schedule of things that I was going to do, nothing too overwhelming. And if I didn't do it, it was okay as well. And I would write things like wake up, have a shower, make breakfast, like really simple tasks because it was hard at first. And I don't know if you felt this, but just doing the most simple things, you just, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to wake up. I didn't know what I was waking up for. I didn't want to wake up and see the news that was just increasingly getting more petrifying and more deaths. And you just want to stay in bed all day for me anyway. And so that diary helped me to set a routine and that routine was the start of a structure and that structure allowed me to start building something new. And it actually led me onto a space that I think has personally been a miracle, like a miracle that I would never have chosen to be where I am now, although I still model when I can and I still do my social media stuff. The direction of my career and what I thought it was going to be has completely changed. And I feel like I've stepped off of the treadmill that I was running 100 miles an hour on and was able to reassess a lot of my life and decide is it all for me is it all what I truly truly want and if not what do I want and I finally had space to ask those questions whereas before you know when we're working nine to five and for me I'd come back home get ready and go to events till 10 p.m at night and then have a you know wake up the next day and do it all again there was no space at all Mm -hmm. for reassessing my life and now being on the other path it led me to doing things like taking on a yoga teacher training course. I actually, before that was, I studied a um, diploma in neuroplasticity and not to be like, Oh my God, I, I did this and I did that. But my curiosity of not understanding, like what am I feeling led me to think, okay, well, where can I find the answers? And neuroplasticity is all about how you can grow your mind and how a lot of these things like our brains are just like, Oh my God, our brains are phenomenal. And maybe I'm just like a massive geek and love <laughs> the power of the mind, but like our brains are wired in such a way that we can rewire it at any time. We have this hardware and software that can be constantly upgraded if we just take the, the steps in doing so. And I didn't know all of that, but I was, I just gravitated towards learning about neuroplasticity and it, and it taught me about the benefits of mental health, which um, the benefits of fitness on our mental health, which I always about and knew but this was actual studies that I was reading to show me that um, there's facts to show that meditation can increase the gray matter in your mind and it can help you with concentration which is something I was lacking because things were constantly hijacking my attention with emails and whatsapp and text messages and instagram and updates and all of that so concentration was something I needed and it taught me about going into meditation and just gave me that purpose and the purpose was get to the end of the course and then whatever unfolded after that was led me to yoga teacher training it's led me to this week I've got seven days of meditation on my Instagram which I'm guessing this podcast will go out after but people can go back and watch it but it's a taster of different meditation the different techniques through meditation that people can use to then go on and meditate by themselves like learning how to do a body scan learning how to focus on the breath learning how to set intentions I would never have done that on my socials if it wasn't for lockdown, show people about the power of meditation. It's also led me to creating 
a new product line that's coming out, which is like toolkits to help support our mental wellness, like physical products that you can you can buy, and tools that are helping me to be more um, intentional in my life. And I would never have done that if it wasn't for lockdown. And not to say that lockdown had to be all about like starting a company or taking on courses, but it's made me undergo and take on different things that I never thought in a million years I would even care about doing. And sometimes it, it, it is just, I had more space to do walks, which then became go on walks. And that's become like a part of my daily routine as well. Like going for, um, I got a Fitbit and I try and do 10,000 steps a day. And some of it is in a park. And I realized like having the space to go on walks and be in nature really allowed me to think about how much I enjoyed that rather than it being like a rush thing or a thing that I did on a Sunday because Sunday is the only day of rest. And so, yeah, it, it allowed me to just create new habits that are slower and simpler and just bring me more fulfillment at the end of the day. It does. It does sound as though lockdown has been quite transformational for you. Mm. You feel like a different person coming out the other, out the other side. Yeah, I actually not to say like, oh my god, I've become a whole new woman. Like <laughs> I'm not. I'm like definitely still can't perfect the banana bread. I am. Um, <laughs> I can see myself go, slipping back into the habit of working again because I love. I love working. I'm a bit of a workaholic, but it's made me question a lot of what I do and take more autonomy of my life rather than, cause you don't realize it's like we're on this scale and we slide to the end of the scale where we give more of our freedom away, I think, and we commit to more. And actually I think it, the biggest transformational thing for me is being able to just, you know, reclaim some of that power for myself. Um, it sounds like a really big thing, but it, it, it it is it isn't it isn't like the part that it isn't is it's just being who I am rather than like over committing to promises that I don't even want to keep actually and yeah I found myself committing to them for this period of time and so it's just I feel like I've gone back to my baseline mm -hmm. in some ways yeah so do you, I mean do you think that that lockdown do you think the pandemic has taught everybody something do you think that there are there are things that society has learned as a whole from going through all of this together I'd, I'd love to think so but mm, <laughs> don't, don't know I mean yeah I, I mean I would love to think so too and I actually do think so I think we've gone through like a massive grieving process like universally we've all lost something we've lost maybe family members we've lost loved ones we've lost our old lives like we've had to grieve to say goodbye to those. Um, we've lost moment, like precious moments with, I know like, you know, I haven't seen my nieces and seen people's birthdays. Like my two best friends have had babies. I've had to see them through windows. I haven't even held one of them, but, and it's going to be a year in March and I haven't held them yet. Like we lo we're losing a little bit of life, but I think also we've created this new life and it is a new norm. And I think within that we've learned lessons of like huge moments of compassion like when you know clapping for the nhs mm. um you know appreciating the front like people not even just on the front line but that work in a system that is underfunded and they have compromised and and you know given up so much for the welfare of complete strangers you know um and yet on a global scale we are also able to come together 
and create a vaccine and figure it out. And like, that's all against, like, against all odds with a deadly pandemic, with a deadly virus that's killing hundreds of thousands of people. We're still able to think, to bring our like brains together and think, what can we do to get through this? Like, I, I think we have learned stuff and maybe some of it will get reversed because we've learned how, you know, our planet is such a much better place and we don't have to travel by plane every week to places. I think that's going to probably go back eventually because, you know, capitalism wants us, means like more, 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 more is better and like more profit is better and the faster we can make the profit is better. I don't think that that's going to, I mean, I think new initiatives have come out of it that are hopefully going to protect us from that. Mm. I have a feeling that that's going to probably go back along the sliding scale, even though we've learned that it's probably not the best thing for our planet to heal. But I think fundamentally we've all shifted internally as human beings and seen how powerful we can all be when we come together. Yeah. And I mean, would you, is there anything that you would tell your kind of younger pre-lockdown self that would, would have <laughs> surprised you because I know that you know everyone's done all these different things I mean you were talking about meditation um and talking about kind of you know a different a different sort of mindset in a way mm-hmm. and I think there's been I don't know I think everyone has discovered surprising stuff about themselves because of the situation um mm. oh yeah I just wondered if you would if you if you could wisely go back and tap on your younger self and just mm. go it's all right this is going to happen mm. I mean what would you say I, I would probably say the thing that I struggled to work through which was you're going to be sad having purpose gives you so much like happiness and fulfillment but you're going to be sad when this is taken away you're going to be sad for a long time and you're gone, not going to know what the hell you're doing from one day to the next. And that's all a part of the process. And in that, you're going to start digging deeper and questioning. And your questions are going to lead to things that you may not have ever expected. But it's all going to fundamentally bring you back down to who you are, what your purpose in this world is. We've Our souls have been dropped into our human bodies and when you start to just let go of trying to control it all and just go with the flow of your life, things will start to flow for you. And I think for me, that was the hardest thing because all I wanted to do was snap out of this mood, get out of it, get back out there, be successful, do all these things that I thought would give me fulfillment. And a lot of the time at the very beginning, I didn't know what the hell I was doing and that's okay. And sometimes we don't know. And we will figure it out. We will always figure it out. One of my favorite phrases, this too shall pass. I promise you it always will. <laughs> and so so what's next for you? I mean, like <clears throat> when lockdown lifts, which it will do, what's the first thing you're going to do and, and what's next for you? Okay, well, the first thing is I am going to scream around the streets and run around like freedom. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I probably going to go to like my favorite uh, Japanese place get some sushi because they haven't they've been shut and they're like my local and hopefully go and just some good food get all my family together and hopefully see them that's my first thing just being able to like just be around people um I mean I feel like when lockdown lifts it's always going to be a gradual integration but mm-hmm. I mean eating my favorite sushi and see my favorite people would be definitely the start and then and what I found career-wise is reducing the amount of modeling that I do and being less of a a model and more of a role model in some ways and 
showing people how, and demonstrating how to live an intentional life and get back onto their like path. Um, I guess hopefully in some ways helping people to really lean into their authentic self. And I know this is a real big, like hot word, but it's true. Like being in flow with your purpose allows you to just be who you are and more of it. And, um, hopefully create launch this new brand that I'm currently developing and put it out there. And hopefully that's the start of allowing people to, um, fall in love with themselves again and get back on that journey. Yeah. What, what's the brand or is that a secret? <laughs> it's a secret for now, Ooh. but um, it will all be announced in a few months. Um, and if, I mean, if there's, we're slowly moving in that direction. We've got the seven days of meditation that will be on my IGTV at the moment. It will probably have been completed by the time this is up. And then I have on Sunday, I'm going to be announcing that I have a podcast coming out called Why We Feel This, where I will be interviewing neuroscientists, neuropsychologists, about how our brains works because I believe knowledge is power and if I knew better I would do better as Oprah says and so hopefully I'm kind of democratizing the access to this information you don't all have to be a scholar or an academic in Mm. order to know how our mind works so my podcast is all about debunking those questions and asking basic questions like what goes on in my brain when I'm sad or when I'm depressed or when I feel anxious um so why we feel this podcast will be out and then in July, the launch of my brand. So yeah, lots going on. Yeah, lots going on. So it's definitely watch this space, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how exciting. Thanks for listening. It would be amazing if you could join us virtually running the Vitality London 10,000 between the 29th of May and the 6th of June. Holly is going to be training to run it too. So we'll be talking about it on our next podcast. Enter now at vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk and run for your head as well as your heart. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. And do please leave a lovely review. Don't forget to head to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout to get your exclusive 35% discount off Women's Running membership. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.